Acts chapter 18, verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him Priscilla and Aquila. At St. Crehi he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you we could be here this morning and worship you. Thank you again for keeping the church doors open so we can meet in person, that we can have fellowship. But also thank you now, Father, for the lovely singing of the children, that they could participate, we could hear your word read to us, and we too could be ministered by them. So thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our church. And help us now to focus on the word that is going to be preached to our minds and hearts. Help us to listen, but help us also to be doers of your word, not just sit here and listen and do nothing. Help us to, to come alive to Christ and walk in his ways and honour him in everything we do. So we thank you now, Father, for this morning. Be with me. Help me to be clear as I continue in this um, the sermon on willingness to serve. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to continue and look at willingness to serve from Paul's life in Acts chapter 18. And hopefully from this we're going to see what a willingness to serve looks like, what a willingness to serve person looks like. And hopefully we will be challenged to have a willingness to serve once we've heard the message. I'm doing this in two parts, so you can go back and you can listen to our first thing, which I'll just recap on, on, on just now. But you can go back and listen to that in a fuller way. But do we have a willingness to serve? If you have to examine yourself, do you and I have a willingness to serve? I mentioned a quote by Spurgeon who boldly declared, He is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. We Christians to serve God in his church and in the community where he's planted the church. I repeat, he is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. And like I said, God has saved us and has called us to serve Him and to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and then to love our neighbour as ourselves. And we serve God in the church and we serve Him out there as we serve and get into the lives of people. Now by the word willingness, I mean the state of being ready. You're prepared to do something. For instance, there's a lady that lives down the road. She's an unbeliever. Her car's broken. You know about it. Now she can't get to the shops. So you have a willingness to serve. You are prepared to do something. You're not going to just sit there and say, well, someone else can take, take her and help her to the shops. No, you, you have a willingness to serve. You gain to go shopping for her. And hopefully you will have a willingness to serve 
by faithfully witnessing Jesus to her if the opportunity comes. God has saved us to, to live boldly, bold Christian lives, to, to live boldly for Him. He hasn't saved us so we just sit and we just pray for blessing upon blessing. God has saved us to serve. We have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We are not our own. We now live for Him with a willingness to serve. Jesus Himself said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. And there's a lot of Christians that want to be served. There's a lot of pastors that sit on a pedestal and want to be served. But Jesus says, no, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And He made a sacrifice. And we should be sacrificially worshipping and serving Him out there, making sacrifices. Jesus came to serve and He showed us the way, what it looks like to serve. Even on the night that He was betrayed, in the night that He was crucified, before He served His disciples by washing their feet. They should have been washing His feet and encouraging Him. But He came to serve. He even said in Luke 22, verse 27, I am among you as the one who serves. This characterized Jesus' life, just serving. He was the humblest and most servant-hearted man who ever lived. He demonstrated his willingness to serve by doing the lowliest form of service. He was a bond servant. He was a bond slave. We are servants to serve. I, I love what it says in, in, in Philippians chapter 2 where it speaks of him. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He took on a form of a servant. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, became a servant. And these servants will kind of compare to those that rode boats in the lowest part of the gallery in a boat. They were the really lowest of servants, rowing boats. We should have a willingness to serve here at Robertson Reformed Community Church, starting with brothers and sisters in the church, then going out to unbelievers as well. Service to others doesn't necessarily have to be related to church-oriented or designed programs. If there's a need out there, do you have a willingness to serve? Do you use your God-given ability to serve others? And how do we get to know people's needs? Well, we can get to know from the pulpit if their needs we share. But we can also get to know people's needs if we come to prayer meetings, because that's where we pray for people. And then God might work in your heart to have a willingness to serve, to see how you can meet that person's need. Or at home fellowship group, before we start the study, we normally share some needs and then open in prayer. So if we come to our meetings, we will have an ear to hear who needs help. 
If Jesus was in our church, do you think he would do nothing? Would he simply attend worship service and leave? Do we think he would serve or merely observe? We know the answer. We know what Jesus would do. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Do we see ourselves as serving others? And this is what we see in um, Acts chapter 18, from verse 18 onwards. We see Paul demonstrating a willingness to serve. Paul does not stop serving. He knows there's persecution lying ahead. He knows that he's going to get beaten. But he keeps on serving. He keeps on honouring Jesus. So I want to challenge us. But let me just recap our first thing before we look at our second thing this morning. To have a willingness to serve. To be challenged to serve. And it's not going to be easy. We need to encourage each other. We heard the scripture read this morning. Encourage each other to love and good deeds. We need to be stirred up to have a willingness to serve. It's not just saying, oh, the other person next to me can do it. Someone else will take care of them. Or you pat them on the back and you say, I'll pray for you. We need to try and see how we can get more involved in people's lives. And it's not easy. Especially the unlovely. So we're here to serve one another, but we're also here to serve outside the church. And one way, the first thing that we saw in Paul's life last week, to see what a willingness to serve looks like, is he, he keeps on faithfully witnessing for Jesus. When he gets to, to, to Ephesus, the first thing he does, he goes into the synagogue and reasons with the Jews about Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, or Jesus and the resurrection. And we've seen that. We look back, we can see every time Paul entered a town, he found a synagogue and he went and reasoned with the Jews. Now you can listen to last week, I went more into detail about the vow, etc., etc., but I'm just giving us a recap. Paul is a man of obedience. Remember Jesus spoke to Ananias and told Ananias to go to Paul and tell him he's going to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel and he will suffer for my name. Yeah, we see Paul doing that. Obeying, walking humbly and obediently. Honouring Jesus through what he was told by Ananias. Paul just kept on serving being a faithful witness for Jesus. But we too are called to be a faithful witness for Jesus. We are called to be the salt and the light. You can read it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. And in verse 16, Jesus told us to let our light shine before others so they may see what? Our good works. They may see our fruit and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Our good, work, our good works either is going to rebel people and push them away from us, or it's going to attract people. And if it attracts people, they're going to ask of the hope that is in us. They want, they want, questions, they want answers for their questions. Why are you like this? Wow, why do you live like that? Why do you treat so-and-so like that? What a wonderful person you are. And then you tell them, why are you this wonderful person? It's only by God's grace that we are, we are. How we get this grace? We point them to Jesus. We point them to the cross. So are we willing to serve? Are we willing to shine our lights 
through our good works? Are we willing to be faithful witnesses for Jesus? And just briefly what I mentioned last week, we have a twofold testimony when we're out there. The first way, or the first fold, and the first way is to spread the gospel by living exemplary lives. Just be an example for Christ. This is what the church of Thessalonica did. Paul said to them, you were an example to all the believers and unbelievers in Macedonia and Achaia. See, they had a willingness to serve. They were examples. And people would say, we ought to be living like that. So the one way is an exemplary life. And the second way is with your exemplary life, you speak the gospel into the lives of people. You spread the gospel through your verbal witness of the word. And we see this in 1 Thessalonians as well. In chapter 1 verse 8, Paul says, From you sounded the word of the Lord in every place. So if we live exemplary lives, we will also be telling people about Jesus. So the first thing that we looked at last week, to see what a willingness to serve looks like, is we looked at Paul's life and we saw he kept on faithfully witnessing for Jesus. Do we see ourselves witnessing for Jesus? Do we see ourselves taking every opportunity that arises and witnessing for Jesus? The second thing from Paul, from his life, to see what a willingness to serve looks like, is he shows a dependency on God. And we see this in verses 20 to 22 of Acts chapter 18. If you look at verse 19 of Acts chapter 18, when they came to Ephesus, he left Priscilla and Aquila there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then in verse 20, when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. There's nothing wrong with sometimes saying no to things in the ministry. I remember there was a, there was a, a conference. Um, I read this in, in a book I was reading. There was a conference in this town, and the man that was coming to to do the conference fell sick, so he couldn't make it. So the pastor of the church who was heading up this conference phoned someone that was a lecturer at a at a, a seminary and asked him if you could come, please take our conference. And he said no. I can't. This week is my time with my family. I'm sorry, I can't help you. They were upset with him. But he had an obligation to his family. And the same thing here. Paul declined. You would think, well, Paul, he has an opportunity to keep witnessing faith for Jesus. But Paul knew where he wanted to be. He was heading to Jerusalem. And then up to the church of Antioch. They've been gone for nearly four years. He wants to go back. He, he actually doesn't know what has happened to the church, if it still exists or not. He hasn't got WhatsApp and, and he can just be online and see what's happening. There's no form of communication like that. 
He wants to get back. Well, he wanted to go straight to Antioch from when he was in Corinth and he had to walk 20 k's down to, to, to Sincree and then get on a boat and he wanted to sail straight across to Syria. But the Lord had other plans for him. He took him to Ephesus and then from Ephesus he only went across to um, Caesarea and then up to Jerusalem. So at times we must decline. Uh, uh, there was a picture when, when Jesus also declined. In Mark, um, if I can get it here. Peter was looking for Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 37. And they found Jesus. He, was, he went out to pray and they found him and said to Jesus, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. He didn't go back to where Peter and them wanted him to go. He declined. He said, no, I'm going to another town. And he kept witnessing for his father, preaching. But we see what else happens in verse 20. But on taking leave of them, so eventually he leaves them. That's, that's those that he preached to at Ephesus. And he says to them, I will return if I will return to you if God wills. And he said, sail from Ephesus. See, that God wills is telling us that Paul shows his dependence is on God. He's dependent on God and not himself. He's always willing to serve for the glory of God. It depends on God to get him back to Ephesus. If God wills, I will return. And if God wills for him to return, then that means it will be God's will for him to be there as well. Now we mustn't confuse this. We, we, we hear people saying, you know, if you go on holiday, if the Lord wills, if God wills, which is true, we've got to depend on God. If God wills for me to be here next Sunday, Lord willing, I will be, you can say. Or, there's also God's will for our life. Think of Moses, the mistake he had when, when the Hebrew and the Egyptian were fighting and he intervened. And he thought that was the time for him to help his fellow men and get involved to rescue them somehow. And the next day he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he went to try and, 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 and bring about peace. And they said, well, are you going to do the same? What you did to that man yesterday? Kill one of us? Even Pharaoh knows about this. And Moses fled to the wilderness for 40 years. And then 40 years later, God sends him back to Egypt. It wasn't God's will for him then. But 40 years later, it was God's will for him then to be the leader, the prophet, the teacher, the man of God to take them out of Egypt, to lead them across the Red Sea. See, God's will for us is in the Bible. If we are reading the scriptures, we'll know that God's will for us is just to be saved. Then it's God's will for us to be spiritful, to be filled with the word, to saturate our minds so we may not sin against God. 
So we can, we can walk humbly with God. God's will is for us to be sanctified, to cleanse, like Mark showed us with the dirty water. We have to confess our sins. We have to repent. And the Lord cleanses us from our unrighteousness. And He brings us back into righteousness, clean water. And our lives are in and out. Dirty water, clean water, dirty water, clean water. We're repenting. That's, that's what it means to walk faithfully and humbly with God, is you're going to be walking the entire life in true repentance, asking God to forgive you when you, when you sin. So God's will is for us to, to know Him and to, to, to know His Word so that we can live a godly life before Him. And if you're in the Scriptures, and if you delight yourself in the Scriptures, and if you delight yourself in, in the Lord, He will also give you the desires of your heart, what you want to do with your life. God's will is also there for your life. Is it God's will for you to be a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, a policeman? A soldier? What is God's will for your life? To get to know that, delight yourself in the Scriptures. And God will give you the desires of your life. Before God saved me, and it's obvious, I had no desire to be a pastor. I wasn't even thinking church. I was actually rebelling, rejecting the Creator God. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know how to get into a relationship with God, which was through Jesus. I'm the way and the truth of life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But when God saved me, and after a few years of reading and then studying, that desire came to be in the ministry. Where? I don't know. To do? I don't know. But then it got stronger. For missionary, maybe. Then pastor came. And so here I am, by God's grace and mercy. All because of being in God's Word. Not faithfully. I'm not saying every hour, every minute of the day I was in God's Word. But I was in God's Word when I woke up in the morning and when I went to bed. A lot of people say, well, God's got a plan for your life. Well, that's also God's will. It's in that plan. And God's will is also for us to be doers of His Word. Trust Him and obey Him. Jesus said, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. God's will is for us to hear God's word and observe it. Do it. Because again, we are warned in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So if we're in the Scriptures, we know that we need to be doers of God's will and we know that if we, if we are obeying God and we walk in His ways, we are doing God's will. And those who do God's will will be blessed. Another man I can think of that rebelled against God. God's will was for Jonah to go to Nineveh. 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 Jonah knew that it was God's will for him to be a prophet and to go to Nineveh, but he rebelled. He wouldn't go to Nineveh. 
I must I go to those Gentiles and tell them about you, God? You're my God. I don't want them to know about you. And of course, Jonah heads down to Tarshish. And we know what happens. He gets on a boat and then he's thrown into the sea and swallowed up by a big fish and then vomited out. Because it was God's will for him to go to Nineveh to witness faithfully for God. And like Jonah, if we disobey God's will, we will suffer the consequences. And Jonah suffered the consequences until he eventually went. And if you think that just happened to Moses or Jonah, what about David Livingston? David Livingston wanted to be a missionary. He wanted to go to China. He knew it was God's will for him to be a missionary and go to China. But where did he end up? In Africa. As a missionary. God's will for him to be a missionary. Yes, he had that spot on. But he had the wrong country. He ended up in Africa instead. How did he know this? Well, he seeked the scriptures. He seeked God in the scriptures. But he also seeked wise counseling. He didn't want to go to Africa. He had China. And he went to Africa and look what happened. But that's God's will for our life. But God's will is for us also to depend on Him. God does not depend on us. He's independent. He doesn't rely on us for anything. We depend on Him. And that's why Paul is saying, If God wills, I will come back to you, Ephesus. It all depends on God. I want to make sure that I'm in God's will with what I'm doing. And how often we plan holidays. And we hardly say, if the Lord wills for me to go to this place, or if the the Lord wills for me to move to this home, that we leave God out of it. And I think it's foolish to take things for granted. Living as God doesn't exist. We should. But this is... This is also, you don't want this to become a cliche. You leave the home, you're going down to the shops, Lord willing, I'll come back. I'm going to the post office, Lord willing, I'll come back. I'm going to the bookstore, Lord willing, I'll come back. That can also become like more superstition thing eventually. And you, and you put your faith in, in what you're saying instead of in the God. But I think when it comes to everything is important before, before God and everything is big before God. But it's between you and God. You know if you're praying about something where you're going or what you're going to do. And yes, you know, if the Lord wills. So I don't think we always have to let that person know if the Lord wills. But as a family, you can chat about it. You know what, children, if the Lord wills, we will go to that town and spend two weeks there. It shows that we depend on God. We rely on God who is sovereign over our lives. We acknowledge in His sovereignty over all aspects of our life. He controls our lives and everything He does in our circumstances as well. So are we depending on Him? Like Paul says, I will return if God wills. And like I said earlier on, it's foolish to take things for granted. Living if God did not exist. How do we know that? Well, we just got to go to James 
chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It's sin to disobey God's will. And it's sin to leave out God in our plans. We're taking it for granted. Especially if you're going to move to another town. A lot of people think that they can go overseas or they can go to another town and that's where they're going to make a profit and get rich. It's if the Lord wills. It's got nothing to do with you. And as Christians, we should be in prayer, seeking God's will for our lives if we're going to do such a thing, if we're going to move on. Speak to your pastor. Speak to other Christians, wise Christians. I know it's definitely not God's will for me to be president of this country. I don't want it. I'm not interested. But it's God's will for me to be here and stand here before you this morning and preach His word to you as faithfully as I can and sincerely and genuinely. Simply put, the will of God should be central to all our plans. It's God's will for us to return next Sunday, if He wills. It's God's will for us to put our head down on our pillow tonight, safely. It's God's will for our children to return from school safely, to our homes. Another way you show, if the Lord wills, is if you are spending time in prayer, committing your day to the Lord in prayer. Lord, this is what's happening during the day. If it's your will, this is what's happening. Do we depend on God? Or do we lean on our own understanding, try to be wise in our own eyes, and bring so much pain to ourselves? And just because you're in God's will doesn't mean that, that trials are not going to come your way. They will come your way. Suffering will come your way. So like Paul, a willingness to serve, will we have a willingness to serve by showing our dependence on God every day as we walk with Him in this fallen world. So these two things that we looked at, and one we recap, that Paul keeps on faithfully witnessing for Jesus, the one we looked at now, which, which showed um, Paul had dependence on God. He shows a dependence on God. Will we be challenged by these two things? Will we be challenged by Paul's life, who, who had a willingness to serve? And will we have a willingness to serve? It cost Jesus his life on the cross to bring us to his Father. It cost us nothing to believe, but to believe. He died on the cross to forgive our sins, to bring us to His Father, to give us His Spirit. 
So that power would, become, would come upon us. So we can then faithfully witness His Word and faithfully depend on Him. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. There's a spiritual battle, tension that goes on within our hearts. But I know when you believe you will receive power to faithfully walk humbly with God in this world, depending on Him and witnessing for Him in this fallen world. But will we turn to God and allow Him to stir us up to have a willingness to serve in those two areas like Paul did? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our church service today. Thank you that the children could get involved. Thank you for their willingness to serve, to read, to sing. Father, help us to teach our children to have a willingness to serve in the home and in, in the school where they are, in the workplace, wherever they are, Father. Help us also to have a change of attitude, not always relying on someone else to do it, but for us to have a willingness to serve, like Paul. Either we are helping an unbeliever, or we're witnessing to an unbeliever, or we're encouraging a believer with the Scriptures, or we're showing our dependence on you as we move and, and walk around and live in this community. Father, forgive us. There are times we're not always walking humbly with you, and looking to you for dependence. Father, we, we thank you that you are a God of forgiveness. That when we repent of our sins, you forgive us. So be merciful to us, Father. Help us to change our attitude. And to deny ourselves and take up the cross daily. And follow Christ. Honouring him. And having a willingness to serve here in this community. Starting in our church. And then flowing out into our community. Both to believers and unbelievers. Help us, Father. Help us to be shining lights in this community. Help this church to shine as a lighthouse. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.